0: Good morning. Uh, The scripture reading today is Luke chapter 4, verses 14 through 30. Then Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing all spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is this, is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, doubtless you will come to me, uh, sorry <clears throat> doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor cure yourself and you will say you hear also in your hometown, the things that we have heard you di- that you did at Corpeneum. And he said, truly I tell you no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up for three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zerapath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning, again. Do we have any news junkies in the house? Okay, we got we got I got a couple of hands that go up. Have you ever noticed that news is kind of a funny thing? One person's good news is another person's bad news. You know you know what I'm talking about? Because today's message is about good news. And is it good news or is it bad news? And and to kick off the sermon, I want to bring us to a case in point to illustrate what I mean when I say that one person's good news might be another person's bad news. I'm going to take us back to November of 2016, when after a long and contentious presidential campaign, we woke up and found out that Donald Trump had been elected to the office of President of the United States of America. Now, some of us, and when I say us, I'm talking about the United States, some of them thought that this was the best news they've ever, well, maybe not ever, but in the last eight years that they'd heard. And for others of us, it was the worst news that they had received in eight years. You see, individuals receive news, and based upon their situation and relationship to the news, they determine whether or not the news is good or whether the news is bad. Another case in point. Tonight, some of us are going to receive news that we are going to consider to be good or bad. I mean, you know, of course, we're all here going to assume that it's good news if the Rams win, right? (laughs) <laughs> a couple of hands. I, I, I noticed that there's also a, a Pats jersey in, the, uh, in, the, in, in our congregation here this morning. And I know there are a, a few others that are Patriots fans. So if the Rams win, that's bad news for our Pats fans. But of course, if the Patriots win, it's going to be great news for them. And the rest of us will be kicking around. Oh, what just happened? Huh. Okay, anyways, good news, bad news. We as individuals decide it. And history usually goes back and sees who the majority thought is, and then they determine whether it is good or bad. And this morning's scripture is about good news. And yet some people receive that good news as bad news. And it begins in a seemingly sweet scene, Okay? Jesus, after his baptism, after his testing in the wilderness, has started his ministry in the city of Capernaum. And he's going around and he's teaching and he's healing and word begins to spread throughout that northern region of Israel about all the good things that Jesus is doing and about the powerful teaching that he is bringing. He's teaching in the synagogue. His reputation is spreading. And he decides to go home He goes to Nazareth, the place where he grew up. And the hometown kid who's gone out into the world and has made something of himself is coming back to this little, small, backwater, poor town that he grew up in. And you can imagine that in the town, people are excited. There's a buzz about. Jesus is coming back. That kid that went off and made something good about himself. He's coming back, and he's going to be in the synagogue. And they all go, and they go to the synagogue, and they gather, and they're all excited, and Jesus comes. The scrolls are brought out. Jesus has them opened up. And he chooses to read from the prophet Isaiah. Chapter 56, verse 6. Chapter 61, verses 1 through 2. And he reads... The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he has the rolls, the scrolls rolled back up, and he goes, and he sits down, and he begins to teach. And every eye in the synagogue is fixated upon him. And you can feel the hush fall over all that have gathered there. And they're wondering, what is he going to say? What wisdom is Jesus going to bring to us? And he looks around and he looks all of these people in the eye, these people that he knows, these people that he's grown up alongside with. And he says these words. He says, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing." Everybody speaks fondly of him. Mary and Joseph's boy has gone into the world and made something good happen. Maybe they're saying, you know, I always knew there was something special about that boy. But somewhere Jesus shifts a, a senses a shift in their, in their initial fondness. And we don't know the, everything that he was teaching and saying that day. But as he feels the sentiments begin to change, he is compelled to suggest that the people there are going to ask him to perform some of the miracles and the healings that he has done in Capernaum. And you can hear him. Come on, Jesus. Show us one of your magic tricks. Do for us what you have done in Capernaum. But Jesus doesn't do that. Instead, he begins to speak about how prophets aren't accepted in their hometowns. And then he starts to teach about 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 8 through 24. About how, in the middle of a great famine that lasted three and a half years, when not a rain, drop of rain fell out of the heavens, that the prophet Elijah only helped one person. One single solitary. Widow. And then he goes a little further forward and he goes to 2 Kings chapter 5 verses 1 through 19 and he teaches about how the prophet Elijah has this ministry of healing. But he only heals one leopard. Of all the hundreds of lepers in Israel, he only heals one: Naaman. And this infuriates the crowd. It infuriates them. They are so mad. They go from moments ago having talked glowingly about Jesus, and now they're dragging him out of the synagogue and pushing him to the cliff of Nazareth to throw him over. I've seen that cliff. It's It's a pretty big cliff. But let's pause for a moment. Does that seem like a pretty big switch for you, like a quick flip? Are you wondering why Jesus' mention of the widow of Zarephath and Naaman the leper angered everybody that was present there? Does that seem a little strange to you? And it might seem a little weird. That's a good story. The prophets are doing good things, right? But if we dig a little deeper, we begin to realize something. You see, the widow of Zarephath was from Zidon. She wasn't Jewish. And Naaman the leper, he wasn't Jewish either. In fact, he was the commander of the enemy's army. So in other words, in these stories, Israel's God is rescuing the wrong people. His reference to Elijah and Elisha puts a new emphasis upon his reading. And upon his statement about who this good news that he's come to proclaim is for, he's essentially looking at the people of his village and saying, It's for the poor, for the outcast, for the blind, the prisoners, and for the oppressed. It was for anybody that's been pushed to the margins of society, whether it be by gender or by age or economic destitution or physical malady or possibly religious impurity. In the year of the Lord's favor, the year of Jubilee, was not good news for landowners or slaveholders or for the wealthy or for the lenders or for the temple or for the Pharisees. And what the crowd hears is Jesus saying, this good news that I'm talking about, uh, that God is coming to free the oppressed and bless the poor, guess what, that's not for you. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the people you can't stand, the people you don't want to be near, the people that you think are your enemies. No wonder they wanted to throw them off the cliff. Seriously, it would be like going to a Make America Great Again rally proclaiming God's blessing is not for America, that instead it's for illegal immigrants and dreamers and the rest of the world. And so my question today is, who do you hate? Who do you consider your enemy? Who do you think of as being less than human? Who do you move to exclude or to silence or to ignore? Who is the target if you're not in my backyard? Who do you overlook? Who are you afraid of? I'm going to... pause here i'm going to repeat this list because we all have them we all have these and i want you to close your eyes and i want you to picture the faces that each of these represent who do you hate who do you consider as your enemy Who do you think of as being less than human? Who do you move to exclude or silence or ignore? Who is the target of your not in my backyard? Who do you overlook? Who are you afraid of? For these, for the faces that you picture, Jesus says he proclaims good news of release, of forgiveness, of healing. For those of us who claim the title of Christian, who think of ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ, our good news that we proclaim is for these people. Of course, I'm a preacher, and I would be remiss to not flip this a little bit as well. You see, we all come to church on Sunday morning with different expectations, different experiences. We come in different seasons of life, in different situations and stations. If you've come to be noticed, be affirmed, be acknowledged, be received, you feel like you've been overlooked or oppressed or struggle with the challenges with challenges that seem to hold you back from society. Jesus does proclaim a good news for you. You are not forgotten by God. And the kingdom of God, that is God's power, God's attention, God's favor, the kingdom of God is with you. no matter what you are feeling. And no matter what you are experiencing. Are you hearing good news this morning? Does this sound like good news? It better. Because Jesus says it's good news. And not only that, but Jesus tells us that we are supposed to share the good news as well. When I was a young lad for several months, I delivered newspapers. I was good at delivering. I wasn't so good at collecting. So people got a lot of free newspapers. How good are we at delivering good news? How good are we at delivering the news of Christ? How good are we at delivering the news of the kingdom? I've been doing ministry for more than 20 years now, and I still have ways to improve. We all have ways to get better, and I pray that the Holy Spirit will anoint us, bless us, challenge us, give us the courage to take each of those little steps that leads us to the place where we are doing what God calls us to do. Are you hearing good news today? And are you ready to spread it? I ask you these things as we prepare ourselves to come to the table of the Lord. This table that Jesus gathered at with his friends, with his followers, to make mention, to declare what he was about to do. When we gather at the table, we proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We proclaim the story of that evening. Here in the United Methodist Church, we have an open table. Everyone is welcome. Nobody is excluded. This is a kingdom place. This is a place where we are family. And this is a place where the favor of God is poured out for all. All that is required is a desire to come and receive. I invite you to take your hymnals and open up to page 13. You can follow along at the little heading that says, The Great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your heart. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing to give thanks to you, almighty God, creator of the heavens and of the earth. You put words into the mouths of your humble servants that people might know and obey your laws and be faithful to you. And so, with your people on earth and with all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join in their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. He fulfilled your promises from the Scriptures, and yet his own people rejected him. Through the baptism of a suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church and delivered us from the slavery of sin and death. And you made with us a new covenant by water and by your Spirit. On the night that he gave himself up for us. Jesus took bread. And he gave thanks. And he broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over... He took the cup and gave thanks, blessed it. And he gave it to his disciples and he said, drink from this all of you. This is my blood, the cup of the new covenant which is poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. Do this as often as you drink of it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of of your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Let us pray. Pour out your Holy Spirit here upon our gifts and into these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. Fill us with the mystery of unselfish love that all of humanity might receive a new heart and be part of your kingdom. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry throughout the world until Christ comes again in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. And all of God's people said, Amen. And now with the mystery that comes with us, being children of God, we are bold to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done Our one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. And the bread which we break is a sharing in the body of Christ. In the same way, the cup over which we give thanks is a sharing in the blood of Christ. It sustains us. It empowers us. It forgives us. It saves us, and it makes us family. Will those who are assisting me in the distribution of the elements please come forward at this time.